It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin's dad paid $91 million, the highest amount ever paid for a living artist. No, not an actual living artist. Yes, still can't do that. But on one piece of work, $91 million for a sculpture. Boy, does that make me feel good about his son running the U.S. economy. No wonder he wants to hide rich people's tax returns. Anyway, fresh off my own huge artwork purchase of 91 cents for my son's artwork, I'm David Leventhal. Thank you for joining Forward Nation Radio this week for our special show on what kind of war do you like best? It's okay, because with Donald Trump as your president, you don't have to choose. Cold War, hot war, trade war, whatever war suits your fancy, we've got them all. Our astute listeners will note that last week I promised to fix American democracy on today's show, but that's been preempted by more urgent matters. Starting first with Alabama does it. Yep, finally Alabama does it. They outdo Georgia and pass an anti-abortion law with no exception for rape, incest, or even being trapped in a beach house with Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. No exceptions. The Republican Party establishment is publicly running away from this extreme law. The House leader, Kevin McCarthy, says this is not the Republican Party platform. Inspiring words undermined only by the fact that it actually is the Republican Party platform. Interestingly, it was Donald Trump who had proposed changing the Republican Party platform to put in language about rape, incest, and other exceptions. And that didn't go through. Gosh, our champion, Donald Trump. Anyway, this is, represented by Donald Trump among others, what the Republican Party has wrought. This is no mistake, and they could try to have it both ways by speaking to responsible media and the broader public and saying this isn't quite what we wanted, but this is absolutely what they created. And this is in a couple of ways they did this. First of all, they've been aggravating and agitating their Republican base, their brain-dead morons, their religious zealots by appealing to them on all these crazy social issues. And as was inevitably going to happen, the morons have been tired. I've gotten tired of the bait and switch. They're tired of Republican politicians who run for office saying, I'm going to ban abortion and bring Jesus into everybody's lives and then cut taxes for rich people instead. But of course, it's not just that they got tired of the bait and switch and that the lunatics are now running the asylum. In fact, of course, the lunatics are actually now running the asylum. One of the ways that the Republican Party base has expressed its displeasure with the long-term bait-and-switch of the Republican Party establishment that's only cared about tax cuts for rich people is that they've actually gotten their own people elected to office all across this country. The Freedom Caucus, the, the descendant of the Tea Party, and all their ilk are increasingly running, literally, the Republican Party. The lunatics are now running the asylum, and while 
the what's left of the Republican Party establishment can still mouth the right words when they speak to the broader public. The fact is, this is the Republican Party right now. So how afraid should we be about all this? How afraid should we be that a bunch of assholes in Alabama decide to pass an incredibly misogynistic and disgraceful anti-women bill? Well, we should be very afraid here. And maybe that actually should be the theme of today's show. Be very, very afraid. Yes, we're already speculating nationwide that this may be too much even for the current Supreme Court. That John Roberts, what now passes for the moderate swing vote from the ultra-right, but not quite as ultra-right, that this may be too much for him and the Supreme Court may not be willing to take it this quickly on abortion. But don't take a whole lot of solace from that. Because if it's too radical for this Supreme Court, let's be clear that it won't be too radical for the next one if Donald Trump is reelected in 2020. If we if reasonable, sane people lose the election in 2020, the Supreme Court will move further and further to the extremist right. And it will not end with bills like this. And that, I think, is part of what's going on here with this abortion bill. Republicans may be evil, they are evil, and stupid, but they do know how to scheme. And one of the things I think is not being adequately discussed in the media right now is the extent to which this could be an effort to motivate their base in 2020. Maybe courts will come out. I think we can expect certainly lower courts will have to come out and and find this law unconstitutional, according to current Supreme Court precedent of Roe v. Wade, Casey, etc. Even if the Supreme Court doesn't get to issue its decision on this before the 2020 election, Republicans will once again be able to make hay to agitate their base to talk about the fact that they need more justices on courts across this country, more judges on courts across this country, more justices on the United States Supreme Court to make sure that they get what these evil cultists actually want. Don't take solace from the fact that this is happening in only Alabama, Georgia, and all the other deep red states that will undoubtedly follow suit. Don't take solace from the fact that you may not live in those states. One, have some empathy for the poor people who do and can't escape them. But more than that, of course, there's no reason to assume that this stops with overturning Roe v. Wade. Once one accepts the idea of fetal personhood, as this Alabama bill is all about, that a fetus is a person with rights, well, the next step is not just abortion is not protected. The next step is abortion is banned. And that's coming to a state near you. And that's coming to everywhere. And yes, this is a real practical Concern. If Donald Trump gets the presidency again in 2020, this is coming to you. And why, why stop there? Why not ban birth control? Because after all, one can presume Jesus was not a big fan of birth control. One feisty Alabama legislator kind of sent a fuck you to the majority passing this bill by trying to add an amendment that would ban vasectomies on the theory that it is interfering with God's plan. 
Well, I'm not sure that that's going to be first on the, well, chopping block. Sorry. I'm not sure that's going to be first because after all, let's not forget how misogynistic is the motivation here. But how about a law banning hysterectomies? Because after all, isn't that interfering with God's plan? Just like a condom would be or a birth control pill would be? Lest anyone think this is actually a heartfelt attempt to promote life, let me just point out that Alabama is 50th out of 50 states in education in this country and is trying to cut back on food stamps and health care. No, this is another reminder of Barney Frank's famous statement that Republicans believe that life begins at conception and ends at birth. This is nothing but a cynical ploy to rally the masses and make sure that they can get even more crazies into our government and onto our courts deciding how the rest of us get to live our lives. And in that sense, it sure as hell better motivate our base, that is, the base of intelligent, sane people, as much as it motivates the base of the other side, because this country is going down the tube really, really fast otherwise. Because if this isn't stopped and stopped real soon, it is proof once again that there is no voting constituency in this country sufficiently sufficient to elect people to national office in favor of sanity and reason. Now, when I think about this, I think, aren't establishment Republicans signing their own death warrant? They've created these crazies. They've clearly lost hold of the Republican Party to the lunatics. What's left of the, oh my God, am I about to refer to Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell as the Republican Party establishment as if they're moderates? They're not. They're just the less crazies. Maybe that's what I should. They're the less crazies. The not quite foaming at the mouth members of the Republican Party. Well, in many respects, I think this is the true genius of this scheme. Are they not signing their own death warrants? Well, no. So-called establishment Republicans will just become more insane. There's no problem. They can learn how to foam at the mouth too. It's not like they actually believe in anything. It's not like they're going to wash away any kind of core principles to be this insane. Whatever. Everything works fine. At least until the crazies start actually, I don't know, deciding to follow the words of Jesus, their cult leader, and to go for the money to decide that Jesus wasn't just about women's wombs. It was about going after the wealthy and unfairnesses in our society. This is maybe where the Republican not-so-crazies have miscalculated. Because this is a real slippery slope here. And this ends in a place it's hard to imagine anybody does well, except for The Walking Dead. Okay, moving on to the next Be Afraid, Be Very, Very Afraid. Can't have a show this week without talking about Donald Trump's New immigration policy, or his announcement of his new immigration policy. You've, I'm sure, heard at this point what his immigration policy is. That is to let more successful people who've achieved things already in their lives, people with money, or as Donald Trump calls them, brilliant people. into the Brilliant people. I love brilliant people. Um, yeah, okay. Just to be clear on this, Donald Trump, doesn't love brilliant people. Donald Trump hates brilliant people because brilliant people 
hate Donald Trump. Not just brilliant people, people who aren't brain dead hate Donald Trump. He doesn't like any of those people. He couldn't pick them out of a lineup, but he doesn't like any of them. You know who Donald Trump really likes? And that's what I think, again, is being underreported on this story. Donald Trump likes privileged people. Donald Trump likes white people, people born into money, people born into wealth, people born into success. And that is who this new announced, newly announced immigration policy would benefit. It's not just people who are smarter than other people. It's people who have had every advantage in their lives and have been able to demonstrate their smartness more than the others. What we need, of course, in this country, people who are willing to work hard, people who are willing to help others. In other words, the exact opposite of what Donald Trump wants to let into this country. This is about reinforcing privilege in this country and all over the world. I mean, I guess the one thing that jumps out at me with this new immigration policy, um, maybe there's a silver silver line here. Does this mean we get to shoot brilliant people? I don't mean to be inappropriate here, but it was only last week, remember, at Trump's big rally where he pointed out that government is unable to violently attack immigrants. So what should we do to stop these immigrants trying to get into this country? And some Trump supporter in the crowd shouted, shoot them to some not insignificant applause in the crowd. Does this mean we're going to start shooting privileged people? Is shooting a brilliant person, does that get you more points than shooting a starving person? Because, boy, that would make this new immigration policy very appealing to a lot of Trump supporters. Of course, while this is going on, the announced policy will also be cutting back on family privilege. Being able to get your family members in. And yes, having Donald Trump and the so-called architect of this policy, his son-in-law and maker of U.S. policy, the utterly unqualified Jared Kushner, the again, the architect of that policy, um, the idea that these two people are promoting a policy to cut back on family privilege, Jared Kushner and Donald Trump, the irony doesn't get more delicious than this for those of us who understand what irony is. Anyway, to our main story in today's show, Cold War, Hot War, Trade War, whatever war you like, we've got whatever ails you. As the Trump decides to promote all of these wars in a single week, let's start with the trade war against primarily China. But of course, it's not just against China that's been in the news this week. It's against a lot of countries, not least of whom are our allies, our yes, Western European allies, who we are in effect declaring a trade war against. Well, gosh, the stock market is really loving the trade war so far. I'm sorry. No, I'm being told the stock market actually tanked this week because of the trade war. Stock market not reacting very well. But I don't want to make too big a deal of the stock market because I've pointed out, I think rightly on this show many times, that the stock market is a really awful indicator of economic vitality and how people in this country are doing. But it's not just the stock market that's been suffering because of Donald Trump's trade wars. So are U.S. farmers. So are small businesses. 
most appealingly, this is primarily hurting Midwest voters who, hmm, voted for Trump? Those Midwest voters who gave the edge to Trump and tipped the balance of all these Midwest states away from Democrats to Donald Trump? These are the ones who are being hurt by Trump's policies? Giving some people the hope that this is really cutting his support among people he needs to get reelected in 2020. I've heard on the news all kinds of people interviewed. I'm a farmer. I voted for Trump. I sure as hell will not do that again. I'm a small businessman. I voted for Trump. I sure as hell will not do that again. I'm just afraid that they found everybody who's willing to say that and put them on the news. Maybe we're going to find out by 2020 if destroying these people's economic future, which the Republican Party has really been about for 50 years, whether this is actually going to matter among these voters in the 2020 election. What's going to be put to the test, and this is really interesting, but what's going to be put to the test is what is it that really motivates Trump voters? I have speculated a lot on this show that we give too much credence to the idea of economic success, that they're not voting for their economic interests. They're doing a couple of other things. They're voting against the economic interests of people they resent even more than they love themselves. But maybe what they're also doing is voting against brown skinned people, voting against black people, voting against women, voting against Muslims, voting against others. Donald Trump has put his money at this point on going full racist, full bigotry to appeal to his voters. Maybe in a bunch of months, we're going to find out if that works, how good a schemer he really is. So that's our trade war not working out well for us so far, but Donald Trump promises us that we're going to turn a corner and it's going to be great. It's going to work out beautifully, I think is the word, yeah, beautifully. Uh, the word he likes to use all the time. Um, Let's move on now to the Cold War that Donald Trump is pursuing. Speaking of beautiful, there's his love interest, Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Boy, there seems to be some trouble in paradise there. Uh, Yeah, North Korea kind of thumbing, putting its thumb in the eye of America. And the president conducting missile tests. We're now at a point where all those soothing, loving words about how beautiful Kim is may not be working anymore. But of course, that's not the only Cold War that's been escalating this week. We've been escalating the Cold War with our allies, picking a fight with them on all kinds of issues, including the hot war issue we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Yes, we're getting more and more chilly when it comes to our dealings with Western Europe and the countries we've traditionally been allied with, those that represent so-called freedom and democracy. But of course, the Cold War doesn't just stop with our enemies abroad or our allies abroad. It comes closer to home as well, because Donald Trump continues to escalate his Cold War with Congress. His Cold War with the United States Constitution making it perfectly clear that he does not respect the co-equal branches of government or the division of powers set forth in the United States Constitution and will proceed to run this country as a dictator as long as he can get away with it. And after all, who could stop him from getting away with it? 
The only thing we really wonder about at this point with our Cold War with Congress and the U.S. Constitution is, when does it become a hot war? When he actually starts arresting opposing members of Congress? It's probably coming. It doesn't seem to be as far in the future as one might hope it would be. Just this week, Trump lawyers, for instance, in court, argued that Congress cannot investigate the President of the United States and his finances. They actually made that argument that apparently ignores Article I of the United States Constitution. They argued that Congress cannot investigate the President, that in fact, the investigatory powers are invested in the Department of Justice, which of course works for the President. So in effect, only the President can investigate the president. Sound absurd to you? This isn't a new argument. I've talked on this show before, and this gives me an opportunity to bring it up again, one of my favorite subjects. Early in the last Republican administration, the Cheney administration, the vice president's office released an energy policy that was going to be implemented as United States energy policy, which was a payoff to oil and gas companies to pay them with taxpayer money to look for oil and to ignore conservation. When any sane person in this country responded by saying, that's really stupid and awful and unjustifiable, the response from the vice president's office, which was running the country, was that this was the recommendation of the Energy Task Force. You can't quibble with the recommendation of the Energy Task Force. Leading intelligent people in this country, or even awake people in this country, to say, this is an incredibly stupid, awful policy that rewards your rich donors, and, by the way, yourselves. Again, sound familiar? This is actually a terrible policy for the United States and for the world, given climate change. So I would like to know, who was this energy task force that you are citing to justify U.S. energy policy? And the response from the vice president's office was, we are not going to tell you. That's right. We have a ridiculous U.S. energy policy that will destroy the planet and enrich us and our friends, but we will not and we will justify it by saying that it was the recommendation of this really important energy task force, and we will not tell you who that energy task force is. It's beyond comical. Well, that case led to the United States government, for the first time in our history, suing the United States government to try to compel the disclosure of the names of the people who are creating U.S. energy policy. The case went to the United States Supreme Court, and in a landmark decision, the United States Supreme Court threw out the case against the vice president's office, refused to compel the disclosure of the names of the people setting U.S. energy policy, not on the basis that it wasn't the right thing to do, but on the basis that the plaintiffs did not, the government did not have standing, where it was not in a legal position to ask for this information. And in fact, according to the United States Supreme Court, who was the only party in the United States of America in a position to compel the vice president's office to disclose the names of the people creating U.S. energy policy? If you guessed the president, no, you're wrong and you're not cynical enough. The actual answer is the vice president. Only the vice president has the authority to sue himself. So the fact that Trump lawyers are basically saying that only the president of the United States has authority to investigate himself, well... 
I wouldn't exactly be all complacent about winning this one when it gets to the United States Supreme Court. But anyway, there's our Cold War. And maybe a Cold War almost seems quaint at this point as we manipulate ourselves into an actual hot war. You know, with guns and bombs and stuff. And the latest hot war that seems actually very likely to flare up is against Iran. That's right. This is going to be perhaps a war about religious extremism. No, not not theirs. Ours. Our religious extremists who are doing this. I mean, who exactly are we doing this for? Are we doing this for the Saudis? And for their crazy religious extremists that they've been promoting in their own country? Oh, maybe for the money, of course. That at least makes more sense. How about for our current Israeli friends, the Jewish extremists currently running Israel and much of this country at this point? Oh, yes, it's wonderful to think that we are perhaps manipulating ourselves into a major war that will make the Iraq war look almost minor because of the input of religious extremists. Maybe that should really be the theme of today's show, religious extremism. Too many themes for today's show. Anyway, speaking of Iraq, we've got, for those who look back fondly at the days of going into the Iraq war, well, here we are. We're maybe going to do it for you again. And do it for you again The numbers even sound kind of familiar. The Pentagon is coming up with war scenarios that consider up to 120,000 U.S. troops in a land war in Iran. Which, interestingly enough, was about the same number that we had invading Iraq. And don't be complacent about okay, we're not going to do this. This is too damn stupid. Because we seem to be pushing Iran into this in basically every way imaginable. Shredding the nuclear agreement that we had with them, calling their their military, their their elite military group terrorists, reimposing sanctions on them. Sending troop ships into the Persian Gulf across the Strait of Hormuz. All of this designed to provoke Iran. Provoke them in some way where maybe even a mistake is going to be made. Some jackass is going to accidentally bump into some other jackass. And this maybe is going to be the pretext that we have been begging for. Hard to imagine? Well, of course, we have many instances of this happening in the past with presidents who weren't insane. This is reminiscent, among other things, of the Maddox. Remember the Maddox? Sinking of the the ship, the Maddox, in the Tonkin Gulf to lead us into the Vietnam War. And again, that was when we had a sane president. Could we be so crazy as to provoke a war with Iran and much of the Middle East, basically what will probably end up being the entire Shiite Muslim world? Well, why not if it'll help Donald Trump get elected? 
I mean, if it'll help Trump's electoral prospects, why not? Does anybody think that this president of the United States would not get us into a war to benefit himself? (laughs) You have more faith in him than I do if you think that. But to be fair, the president is now, last few days, coming out and trying to tamp down war talk. Even pointing out that he would be willing to meet with Iran to try to defuse the situation as long as they presumably capitulate and let him build a lot of Trump hotels, I'm guessing. Trump, in fact, even took this issue to the Secretary of Defense, who, oh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm reminded that person doesn't exist. Donald Trump took it to the acting Secretary of Defense, the Trump lackey who is currently filling that particular office among the many offices in this country filled by Trump lackeys who couldn't get appointed who couldn't get through a nomination process, that is. As Trump's national security advisor and secretary of state and others making the decisions in this country continue to beat the drums for war, Donald Trump gives us all a moment of comfort by telling the rest of the world, hey, don't listen to us. Don't listen to the kind of stuff we're saying. We don't really want to have a war, okay? Can I just point out that somebody really needs to teach these people how you play good cop, bad cop? That this is really not the way you play good... uh, Bad cop, fucking insane cop is not good cop, bad cop. And reassurances, don't worry everybody, Donald Trump is on the case. Are really not going to make anybody more comfortable? This, in fact, we are reminded, could be the moment that we have feared... From the very beginning with Donald Trump, when we've talked for so long about the fact that this lunatic, this narcissist has his finger on the nuclear button and various times we were reassured by the fact that there were adults in the room. And as I've pointed out, those adults are all gone. We've now got John Bolton on the case, the guy who's too insane for even Republicans to want to support this guy making our decisions. No, the scary part here is that right now, the adult in the room, we're supposed to believe that's Donald Trump? We've gotten so crazy that our worst case scenario from a year ago has now become our best case scenario? I guess, you know, maybe one good thing about all this, all this war talk, this warmongering, is how our kids apparently will be ready to go fight this war. Because, you know, with the latest school shooting in Denver and the shooting before that in North Carolina, one of the things that we've been learning over a couple of weeks is, gosh, what a great job we are doing training our kids. That's right, training our young kids to go down fighting when their school gets shut up. I know we're not preparing them for foreign wars, but at least we're preparing them for war in their schools. Like sixth grader Nate 12 years old, who pointed out, I was holding a baseball bat because I was going to go down fighting. Has anybody else noticed the increase of these ads for, I think it's the U.S. Army, one of our branches of the military? This is some scary shit. These ads featuring basically video game footage of people shooting things and other people and saying, come on, kids, 
shooting up on video game isn't nearly as much fun as going out and shooting real people. Join the U.S. Army. And thus we've come to pin our anti-war hopes on a shirker who has bone spurs and undoubtedly thinks of war as a video game where other people's kids are fighting. Gosh, I don't know why all this war talk would be scaring the shit out of me. You know, one of the things that our Pentagon has announced would be a precipitating event for war with Iran is if Iran were to resume its nuclear program. Gosh, if there were only a way to make sure that Iran did not pursue its nuclear weapons program. If, oh, wait, there was. But it was the damn black guy that did it. Damn it. Foiled by Obama again. We can't possibly do that nuclear agreement that was working. Anyway, Our foreign policy, I'm reminded through all this, our military policy, are all predicated on the United States being superior to much of the rest of the world. More trustworthy, less evil than countries like Iran. That's why, after all, we get to have thousands and thousands of nuclear missiles pointed everywhere in the world and based everywhere in the world at everybody else. But with what's going on in this country being led by the lunatic-in-chief, one really starts to wonder if this foreign policy is at all justifiable in much of the rest of the world. Because we're not more trustworthy or less evil than most of the rest of the world anymore. Put this in the context of Trump's decision this week to withdraw the United States from the Intermediate-Range Nuclear Forces treaty and to allow ourselves to make as many intermediate range nuclear missiles as we would like because after all the whole rest of the world should be trusting us not to have bad aims okay there's lots of reasons to be scared this week but i'd like to leave on a positive note because yes we may have the threat of hot war we may be living through cold war trade war and all kinds of awful things happen in this country But remember, as we learned last week from the Times releasing Trump's tax returns or tax figures from years ago, we've got the country's biggest loser working on this. That's right. The negotiator loser in chief. We get to put our faith in. Anyway, that's it for this week's show. We hope to see you next week because we hope we're all around for it. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal.